You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football at sportingnews.com. Hopefully, you've saved all your best drafts for last year for season-long leagues in fantasy football. We want all the most updated information to help us make the most educated and winning draft picks, whatever format we're looking at. Today, we're going to follow suit with what we did yesterday, looking at the quarterbacks and running backs, and do a wide receivers and tight ends ranking blitz. This means we're going to get through as many players as possible that are relevant for your fantasy football drafts, going deep, starting with starters, and getting into some key reserves and guys with upside you should be targeting in drafts. This is with all the latest information, everything we know, going into kickoff with the preseason and the books. At Sporting News, you can get all the latest there with cheat sheets, sleepers, bust, anything you need there, including the ultimate draft plan to figure out your preseason plans. We also have the Week 1 Decider, the Start Sitcom there. So we'll take a deep dive and turn our attention to Week 1 on the other side of this long weekend and focus on the games there at hand to help you uh, win your matchups right away. But we're going to help you dominate your draft here with our final thoughts on all the key players at wide receiver and tight end. If you missed the quarterbacks and running back show, that is up here uh, from yesterday. Also something you can't miss on the network, the NFL season about to begin and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th, that was last week, all the way through September 8th, is Locked On's Ultimate Season Preview, taking you through every game, team, division, with the help of Odyssey's Ross Tucker and Jason Lacanfora. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Continue to tune in all the way through September 8th. All right, let's uh, look at our list here of our favorite wide receiver picks over, or, overall. And we're looking at the top tier. We'll start there. That's a good place to start at wide receiver. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs holding steady, according to the expert half-point consensus rankings. On Fantasy Pros, we got Adams clear-cut. He's the guy that you're looking at in the first round or take amongst those uh, running backs that you're going to look at. He's going to be the first guy off the board around 8 to 12 there in 12-team leagues that you can look at Adams. Now, after Adams, I think you can be a little bit careful. Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs I like a lot. Diggs had a big season last year breaking out with Josh Allen, the Bills. Hill is Hill playing with Patrick Mahomes, so... I do feel comfortable about Hill taking him after Adams. I would still take his teammate, Travis Kelsey, a little bit ahead of Hill as the next guy, maybe over a second wide receiver joining Adams, because Kelsey, a little bit more durable, has the bigger numbers and relation to the rest of the field, where tight end can drop off after a while. You don't have that. But Hill, a little bit of injury concern, soft tissue has been there for a while. Adams has had that as well, but I think with Hill, he's just a speed-based receiver here, so something to keep in mind. I'm not being scared. Scared away of him, but there's something to keep in mind where you have to have some good depth. And we talked about Miko Hardman as a guy to get if you're going to get Tyree Kill. Kind of a rare wide receiver handcuff, but that's what you have to consider here with him. Now look at Stefan Diggs. I think Diggs, I don't feel like he's going to be a top scorer in fantasy. I feel pretty confident Adams 
will be again. Hill has that opportunity. But I look at behind him, Calvin Ridley at number four, and uh, Justin Jefferson at number seven. These two guys in particular I really like. I think also DeAndre Hopkins at number five has that chance. But Ridley is going to dominate targets for the Falcons with Julio Jones gone. Adam Thielen fading a little bit. You have Ridley and basically Kyle Pitts are the passing game in Atlanta. And with Irv Smith Jr. down for the season for the Vikings, it's pretty much the Jefferson Thielen show. I think the touchdowns go more in Jefferson's favor along with the big yardage totals and the reception. And Calvin Ridley could just be a monster in all three areas. He's a big scorer. He's an explosive play guy, air yards and all that. So I think Ridley and Jefferson, if I'm looking at outside of this top three that's been the consensus, Adam, Adams, Hill, and Diggs, I'm looking at Ridley and Jefferson having that potential number one scoring upside. Hopkins certainly has it, but I think the Cardinals will diversify their passing game a little bit here with other weapons, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, those type of players, and their running team at heart. So I do like Nuke, but I don't think he's going to get the touchdowns where I think Ridley will certainly have them. Jefferson will see a bump in those in relation to Thielen. D.K. Metcalf also has that potential here. I think the Seahawks are going to spread it around a little bit more, but Metcalf is still going to be the man. I think he's going to separate a little bit from Tyler Lockett in the production. So, yeah, you look at, you really go one through seven. Any of these guys, I think, has the potential to be top-scoring wide receivers. So you're really set if you go in that direction here. So Adams, Hill, Diggs, Ridley, Hopkins, Metcalf, Jefferson. Adams certainly won, but I wouldn't blame you if you say, look to Jefferson or Metcalf or Ridley, out of Hill or Diggs. I think they all have that potential here. So you're sitting pretty no matter what, but make sure you try to get one of these elite guys in the top seven and don't totally ignore them and go all in on running backs. There's a bit of a drop-off there when you get to A.J. Brown. There are some concerns. So will there be some regression with Julio Jones? Will there be some limitations in this Tennessee offense? All of a sudden, some things we're going to look at for sure in 2021. So Tennessee offense, there's been a lot of uh, vibes that are questionable. People are down on Tannehill. Jones's presence is there. Brown numbers could fall down a little bit. He's a little big play and touchdown dependent here. So keep that in mind. So I think there's a clear separation. So the top tier might be what three players on Fantasy Pros, but I think it's more like seven. And there's a bit of a separation when you get down here. Now, Keenan Allen I like a lot, but the yardage could be higher. The touchdowns could be higher. Lean more into him on Full point PPR, half point, I like him as well. I think he's more outside the top 10 as a high-end wide receiver 2 to me, not as wide receiver 1. I like Allen Robinson a lot as number 10 to finish as wide receiver 1 again. He was number 12 last year. He bumps up to 10. The upgraded quarterback situation says yes, and the situation really hasn't changed. It's uh, Darnell Mooney behind him. They got rid of uh, Anthony Miller. So Robinson, again, going to dominate targets. Again, Brown might have split. The Chargers might diversify a little bit, so... I would say I like Robinson a little bit more than Brown and Allen. And I also like these next two guys, Terry McLaurin here at number 11 and CeeDee Lamb at number 12. McLaurin is going to dominate targets there from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Curtis Samuel is going to be working a little bit, Logan Thomas as well. But McLaurin is still going to be the man here and have a chance for his big breakout. So McLaurin gets into the solid wide receiver one category. And it's between these next two guys. I'm really high on CeeDee Lamb. He has to share with Amari Cooper. Robert Woods also has to share with Cooper Cup here. So... I think one of these guys might be a little less in production, but in essence, you could have a tie here at the wide receiver one spot when looking at these guys. Lamb, certainly he's going to line up all over the field, make big plays, first round pedigree. I think he's the best overall receiver over Amari Cooper, who's going 16. There are 15 and 16 in the position. So Lamb, a little bit of separation there, a little bit versatile and can line up everywhere and produce. Cooper, uh, his uh, star has been fading a bit. 
Partly he's coming off an injury here in surgery. Lamb is the fresh face and the potential go-to guy as he expands his role from the slot. Robert Woods, I think, is going to be big with Matthew Stafford. His inside-outside versatility, his uh, ability to stretch the field that's underrated here. So Matthew Stafford helping Robert Woods score. So that kind of might keep you off, again, Cooper falling a, little, a few notches below Lamb. And it's also faded Evans and Godwin a little bit. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, the Buccaneers do. They're at 14-16 there in that range with Amari Cooper and with that situation I think you just say there's a lot of mouths to feed you have Antonio Brown is going to be a factor as well Rob Gronkowski in the tight ends Gio Bernard out of the backfield so something to keep in mind I wouldn't totally downgrade them but I think they fall in perfectly as solid wide receiver twos once that top tier of maybe solo receivers gone again Lamb and Woods I like them individually in their situations there to separate from Cooper and Cup and I don't like that as much with Brown separating from Jones there in Tennessee. And Evans Godwin pretty much even in their production here. So, again, if you like Evans and the touchdown possibility, there's that. Godwin probably will have better chances to lead the team in catches and yards over Evans. So, something to keep in mind. But the touchdowns could be the great equalizer once again with the Mike Evans catch radius and trusted touchdown scoring ability for Tom Brady. Next player I'm off. I'm not interested in all. DJ Moore. I think I'd much rather have Robbie Anderson on the board. We'll talk about him in our second segment where Robbie Anderson's going, but I'm not investing a wide receiver two pick in DJ Moore with that ugly quarterback situation with Sam Darnold. He's big to blade dependent. Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback at this point than Sam Darnold distributing the ball to wide receivers. So being wary of taking more. Julio Jones as well. He's an older uh, wide receiver. We've talked about it with the hamstring and other soft tissue issues in his past. So, Moore and Jones not interested there. Cup and Lockett, if I had to go 19 and 20, I think i still go Cup because there's less mouths to feed there with the Rams. Uh, where they're going to focus a lot on Woods and Cup with Matthew Stafford. Tyler Lockett certainly is headed for a bit of regression as they use the tight end a little bit more. Third receiver, Dwayne Eskridge, very redundant skill set with Tyler Lockett. So this could be the season Lockett fates. Feel more comfortable with Cup there versus Moore, Jones, and Lockett to round out the top 20. Now, what do you do with the Steelers receivers? We'll take them as a whole next year. Deontay Johnson at 21. You got uh, Chase Claypool with a big upside at 25. And Juju Smith-Schuster at 32. So half point PPR for sure going to Deontay Johnson. Best well-rounded receiver. Can do a lot. Going to see a big chunk of the targets on the intermediate routes here for Ben Roethlisberger. He's the happy medium between Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. Claypool, standard leagues, I like him a little bit more because of the touchdown scoring. I think you'll get a lot more involved where we can trust him also in half-point PPR. Full-point PPR, I think you have to go with Johnson because of that. Because Claypool's not necessarily going to get the downfield stretching volume with Ben Roethlisberger. But standard leagues, I there's a strong argument where I would take Claypool over Johnson because of the scoring potential, big play potential that can really uh, make up the production fast when you're not counting up the receptions. Now, you look at Juju Smith-Schuster down at 32. I'm only interested in him in PPR leagues, to be honest with you. I think Johnson is a guy that's going to run routes all over the field. But I know his role is defined. Claypool is the big play and score. Where's Juju Smith-Schuster fit in other than being the slot option here? You signed a one-year deal. I think the future with them is Johnson and Claypool on the outside. And Juju not interested in any league other than full uh, point PPR as a wide receiver three. At number 22 is Adam Thielen. This is a natural fade. And Thielen was undervalued last year because people were worried about the age. But I think this is more natural Justin Jefferson down up at 7. You have Adam Thielen at 22 here. So, 
You look at Thielen, the touchdown regression. You're not going to have 14 touchdowns again. You take that away, you even get it to half, which is still very good at seven scores, and Thielen is a different type of score, falling more into wide receiver 2-3 borderline there. So I think it makes sense to look at him more as a wide receiver 2 this year, temporary expectations, because scoring, we know, is very hard to duplicate at receiver because a lot of things have to break for you from one season next. And again, it should correct more to Jefferson being the busier touchdown guy. All right, one more debate. You look at T. Higgins at 23, Jamar Chase at 29. You have Tyler Boyd at 33. I like Boyd right where he's ranked there as a good value uh, wide receiver three, working slot, even in uh, half point. I think he's better for what the Bengals want to do than Smith-Schuster is for the Steelers. So I like the value for a Boyd. I think T. Higgins a bit aggressive, taking him inside the wide receiver twos. You look at Jamar Chase, I like him right outside the wide receiver 2-3 line there at 29. I like his value a lot more than reaching for T against a 23 because I think still Chase, the better overall Bengals receiver. He'll prove that quickly, reuniting with Joe Burrow. 24 there between Higgins and Claypool is Brandon Ayuk. A little bit more buyer beware with Ayuk just because of the injury issues. It looked like Debo Samuel is a bigger factor and George Kittle as well. So Ayuk, the durability is a bit of a concern with him for sure after last year and the rookie year having some issues. So being more, a little bit more careful about Brent, drafting Brandon Ayuk of late, but I think easily he'll give you a wide receiver two returns, especially if you take him as the last one on the board. Now, 25, we talk about Chase Claypool right outside that against standard leagues. I think he has a lot more appeal as a wide receiver two. I think he's properly ranked here as the first wide receiver three in half-point PPR and certainly in full point. And you look at Odell Beckham Jr. rounding out this uh, tier four, according to Fantasy Pros, at uh, number 26. Odell could have a big year. He's a guy that could creep in definitely into the top 20, fully healthy, making some big plays with Baker Mayfield here. I think that will be an expansion of what they do. I'm excited to talk about the receivers after that, 27 on down, uh, really looking at where you can get the best values at that position. But I do have to remind you again about Bilt Bar. You know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors. There's something for everyone. When you talk to Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. And my favorites include German chocolate, Double chocolate, salted caramel, mint brownie. I like all their uh, chocolate on chocolate flavors. You'll get your Built Bars covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. The flavors are coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, plus special limited time flavors and other core flavors you can check out at Built Bar. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you should get a mix box where you get two each of nine flavors to try there and uh, really find out what your favorite Built Bars are. And with every Built Bar, not only are they best tasting, but they're healthy for you too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 180 calories. There is the range, only 4 to 5 grams sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Amazing flavors you get from Built Bar. All of them, all tasty, all healthy. And Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. That's awesome. So always look out for their special flavors as well, including grass, hoss, per cookie, their version of the Thin Mint. So they always have some special flavors. Check them out at Built There. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. We'll be right back here right now to break down the rest of our wide receivers. And uh, let's look here. Uh, Jerry Judy comes in at 27. A lot of appeal for Jerry Judy. He's been climbing up the charts here for the Broncos as soon as Teddy Bridgewater was named the starter there in... Denver, he's the more short to intermediate guy. He's a crossing routes guy. Helped Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore 
produced very well here. So Judy over Cortland Sutton for sure. Sutton coming off the knee injury. I think you really need Drew Locke and that big arm to get Sutton to help get his field stretching abilities there. A little bit more touchdown dependent now that we go with a more short-term intermediate thrower and not as good of a deep thrower here, Teddy Bridgewater. So Judy over Sutton, not even a question. You'll get the better return for Judy. I think Sutton drops more to flex to me while Judy can climb up more into wide receiver two. Kenny Galladay, not a guy I'm really investing a lot in because of the new offense. I know he produced with different Lions quarterbacks there. Galladay might be a bit undervalued if it works out with Daniel Jones and the more big playability of the Giants offense, but not too interested there. More interested in getting the upside of Jamar Chase there behind him at number 29. And Robbie Anderson also there at 30. So Chase and Anderson between Galladay and Sutton there from 20 to 31. That's where I want to go. Chase, I think... Can be the wide receiver, too, and the top choice in the Bengals' offense. I'm not discounting T. Higgins, but Chase is just the better all-around receiver here as a rookie. That's why they invested so highly in him, and he's got that connection with Joe Burrow that he'll warm up here right away. And don't worry about the preseason drops. Chase is too good of a talent, and he's been working on them. You look at the practices. Don't focus a lot on the preseason games. Chase is the man here, and he just can do a lot more than T. Higgins. So I get it. Higgins is a more established guy, and that's why he's going a little bit higher, but Chases a target, so is Robbie Anderson. I'd much rather, again, have Robbie Anderson at 30 than at wide receiver than 17 in DJ Moore in half-point PPR, any kind of league, really. Anderson has Sam Darnold, his familiar quarterback with the Jets. He's in the offense with Matt Rule, where he was a player for him at Temple. So there's a lot of familiarity and favoritism with Anderson versus Moore. And again, I don't trust Sam Darnold to get those big plays. Anderson... Was a big play guy in stretch of field, hitting home runs for the Jets, but he's become more of a complete receiver for Carolina. And he'll be out there quite a bit as the more, I think, the second target behind Christian McCaffrey than DJ Moore. Very expensive pick for DJ Moore. Nice price for Robbie Anderson. I'm going to go there. So we've been talking all offseason about that, where I want to go with the better value among people that are closely ranked at a particular position. All right, moving on down from there, we have... Uh, Debo Samuel at 34, and we already talked about Smith-Schuster at 32, Boyd at 33, would rather have Boyd than Smith-Schuster. Debo Samuel, a little bit uh, rich here for me, I'd like him more as a flex play instead of a wide receiver three, especially with IU. Just be careful, the 49ers are running team first, Ayuk and Samuel have some durability issues. I think I'd rather invest a higher pick on George Kittle than uh, trying to reach a little bit for Ayuk and Samuel here in 2021. Brandon Cooks. About where he should be. I don't trust this Texans offense, but all he does is produce wherever he's been. Tyrod Taylor's going to get him the ball. I, I just don't know if the opportunities are going to be as consistent there for Brandon Cooks. But he's good enough, solid. He's the Texans' number one receiver. He's going to get plenty of volume to like his wide receiver three. Corey Davis. I've been on Corey Davis all along here. Now, all of a sudden, guess what's going on with Corey Davis? He's a wide receiver three because I thought Zach Wilson, Corey Davis had a good connection. Keep in mind, Corey Davis is wide receiver 29 and a half point PPR as the secondary Titans receiver last year. So he broke out, finally, as a top-five pick out of uh, Western Michigan. He makes the transition with a nice free agent payday and immediately has good chemistry with Zach Wilson. So, yeah, we, we talked about trying to get Sutton or Smith-Schuster, even Tyler Boyd and, and Debo Samuel to some degree. They're, like, do you want to reach for a player that has limited uh, capability there and is not his team's number one target, or do you want to go for someone outside with a good quarterback situation, good offensive vibes in Davis that has a history of producing here of late, you can't. I think Corey Davis just reminds people of early bustdom, but he broke out in a big way for the Titans, and that's why he got signed, and that's why I think he'll be a key receiver for the Jets. Now, when we get outside of the wide receiver threes, let's just go 
if I liked him or not. Antonio Brown, I do like that value there at 37. Will Fuller not touching with the suspension and uh, injury history there. Devonta Smith is a good value there for sure outside of the top 36 as a wide receiver three. But don't sleep on Jalen Rieger, who's going at 61 there, because Rieger and Jalen Hurts had a pretty good chemistry last year. I do like Devonta Smith, but no more higher than a wide receiver four. DJ Chark is going down a little bit here based on uh, what's going on with the situation. It's pretty close, but he's going to play in week one here. He did have a fracture in his finger, had to miss the preseason, but I still think he's the best. It's interesting that DJ Chark, there's 40, LaVisca Chenault Jr. is 41, and you have uh, Marvin Jones at 46. People are trying to figure out this Jaguars passing pecking order. Again, I go for the talent, overall player that you could have targets. I like Chark there. Really good value outside the wide receiver threes. Again, clearly defined role after uh, these other guys. I think a little bit of a crowd that Corey Davis doesn't have, and that's why he's down at number 40. Jarvis Landry, not interested. Lower upside. You have Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins. The tight ends will be involved more for Brown. So Jarvis Landry, not guy that I'm drafting at all. Mike Williams, not that interested either. He's had many opportunities for the Chargers. We haven't seen them materialize all that much. They also have Josh Palmer, the rookie, coming on strong. Jared Cook, clearly stepping up as a bigger uh, tight end factor here of late with a new deal in hand and uh, replacing Hunter Henry. So could be another disappointment for Mike Williams. Curtis Samuel, limited appeal. He was big last year, but I think he'll need an injury to Antonio Gibson to really help his value. So, again, with uh, the receiving core, you'll see a lot of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas there as well. Adam Humphreys, don't forget about him working the slot there. And it's a big place from Diami Brown. So Curtis Samuel has a very limited role there. Michael Gallup I like a lot. It's because the Cowboys are going to throw quite a bit and have been underrated. So, again, Lamb... Going higher, Gallup going later. Very similar to the Bengals situation where I like two in particular as better values in the Chase and Boyd. Here I like the two values here of Lamb and Gallup a little bit more than Amari Cooper. Again, Marvin Jones right there at uh, 46. So figuring out the Jaguars' pecking order will be interesting. I think Cheneau has the least upside. Chark has the biggest upside. Jones is somewhere in the middle if you feel safe about that pick. Now, Michael Pittman... Not a bad week one play as an alert there as a sleeper against the Seahawks, but certainly he's their best option in Indianapolis. We'll see about the volume without T.Y. Hilton early in the season, so that's what I don't trust in running game-oriented team, plus question marks about Carson Wentz at quarterback. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Jalen Waddell, if I was going to go with one Dolphins receiver, it would be clearly Jalen Waddell. You're not going to look at Devontae Parker at 53. You're not going to look at Will Fuller, as we mentioned uh, Earlier at 38, but right in the middle is just right for the rookie out of it. Alabama reuniting with Toby Tagvola. So this is a sweet spot here. A 48 there for Jaron Waddle as a sleeper. And 49, Darnell Mooney. He continues to rise up the boards here as the Bears' number two receiver. Playing off of Robinson with uh, no Miller there. So Mooney, again, secrets out on him being a very good value. Marcus Callaway continues to shoot up the boards here as the Saints' number one Receiver with Michael Thomas out. Uh, Michael Thomas is 50. Callaway is at 51. So people are pretty much off Michael Thomas at this point. Callaway keeps rising his spot. But I would be careful about drafting Callaway again. Still going to be a run-heavy team. You can't close the door on other factors in the passing game here. Callaway is a little bit big play dependent with James Winston. But again, it's good to look at a potential top receiver on his own team in fantasy versus forcing things in other situations. The Marquise Brown, same thing. I'm not... Big on him just because he's going to be big play dependent. Now, he can get you wide receiver three value, but it's going to be very inconsistent getting there in a run-heavy offense. It does help Rashad Bateman, the rookies on IR, to start. So that helps Brown and his target share here early. But, again, 
he's boomer bust. Those volatile players, they're big play dependent, not a big fan of. Again, we already said passing on Devontae Parker at 53. Hardman, individually, limited value, I think, behind Kelsey and Hill, but certainly a guy that, if you draft Hill, is a good target here to have behind him so you don't lose the production of that Chiefs kind of big play top receiver there for one uh, Patrick Mahomes. You have Russell Gage at 55. He has some sleeper appeal. They need a third target to emerge there, and they could still get him on the field quite a bit, even if they use 12 personnel with Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts. Gage would be out there with Calvin Ridley, so... Gage, not bad if you're looking for someone on your bench to help you in a few weeks as a streamer or if you were dealing with buys. Henry Ruggs III is going 56. Not a bad flyer. I just don't see him breaking out of this offense. I don't think it's his style. I think you'll still be a lot of Darren Waller in the passing game, a tight end, a lot of the running backs as well, Josh Jacobs and Kenny Drake. So really off the Raiders receivers. If you want to force yourself there, go there. Elijah Moore, definitely some buzz. As the Jets' number two potential target behind Corey Davis to help Zach Wilson. And Wilson has good vibes. So, much rather have more here than Ruggs or Gage. Jacoby Myers, do you really want to stretch something out of the Patriots passing game? If you want to, I'd say go with Nelson Aguilar as the last wide receiver. Five at 60 versus Jacoby Myers at 58. Not at all. Cole Beasley in limited slot work there as the Bills are deeper in the passing game at 59. Rieger, we mentioned 61 being a sleeper. Giants, if you're going to go with someone, I would say Sterling Shepard here at 62 over reaching for Kenny Galladay really high in the drafts. Some sleepers that you can look at to throw out that could have bigger roles than you think. Rondell Moore certainly at 63 as the Cardinals uh, look to spread out the offense a little bit more. He could end up being the second best target after DeAndre Hopkins. Would not surprise anyone. Gabriel Davis, someone we look at to stand out as the Bills' outside receiver here. Brian Edwards has a lot of appeal f- for me over Ruggs at his uh, value there at 69 versus 56. Big guy can go get the ball there for you. And if you're going really deep, you look at Amon Ross St. Brown, 74. He's the top Lions receiver on the board and a guy that could certainly be busy out of a default nature here in 2021. So there's a comprehensive look at the wide receivers going straight down the line in a wide receiver blitz here to close the week. We're not quite done, though. We need to get to tight ends here. So we'll do a quick tight end blitz there as our final segment of the week and of the preseason uh, preparation. So if you've listened to our shows here, you should have a lot of information here, straight, no-nonsense, to the point, to help you uh, dominate your drafts here this weekend. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning football. Teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. College football is in full swing, we know. NFL is about to kick off next week. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest 200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use a mobile device to sign for today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. You have to use that promo code to get that free bet there on the Buccaneers and Cowboys. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Enter that promo code locked on when you sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. All right, let's uh, close this show and our rankings blitz with the tight ends that we're looking at. So let's start at the top with Travis Kelsey. Interesting that there's now an expanding Tier 1. This was part of the draft plan I had at Sporting News, and a piece of advice I did offer here 
with our draft plan uh, strategy session here on, on Locked on Fantasy Football. You can check out that show, but I will remind you what it is again, is that there's tight end value in almost every round, starting in round one with Travis Kelsey. He certainly has appeal to get that big chunk and wide receiver-like production, even running back-like production there in the first round. So you could go Travis Kelsey in the first round. You could go Travis Kelsey in the second, look at Darren Waller at the second, borderline third round there, George Kittle in the third, Mark Andrews sitting there, third, fourth borderline, and then you have TJ Hawkinson there and Kyle Pitts. Now, Travis Kelsey certainly invest high. It's really hard to think about Darren Waller and George Kittle because you look at this tier now that's kind of deep where Waller, yeah, he's going to be baller and deliver for you for the Raiders and certain numbers, but he could have a little bit of touchdown regression there, and they could use more passing targets. George Kittle I like in relation to Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, but there's that durability cloud. So Kittle and Waller, I think the better value is going to be Kittle waiting for him than Waller and reaching in to get him in the second round. I think if you can get Waller in a third, that's a little bit better. Kittle in third or fourth, that's better for him. So again, think about tight end every round. Just look at it really quick. Is it a more appealing player than one out was out there at running back or wide receiver? And then yes, that's when you go to tight end. But you're going to have to think about it every round. It's not just tight ends are good value early, and then you wait till late and you can stream some guys because there's some really good value in the middle. Because Mark Andrews, certainly uh, his stock going up with Rashad Bateman on the shelf here for the Ravens. He's solid, but I think uh, you look at TJ Hawkinson, I think he has more upside. He's clearly the Lions' number one target. We just looked at their wide receivers. Not much to see there with them and Ross St. Brown way down. So Hawkins is going to dominate targets at tight end. He has a chance to break through into that top three. Here, Mark Andrews, a little bit touchdown dependent there, but Hawkinson versus Andrews is close, but I really am targeting Hawkins in a lot of drafts. There's been a lot of buzz on Kyle Pitts, but I'd take Hawkinson over Pitts at this point just because Pitts is a rookie. Hawkinson a little bit more in his prime here looking for the big deal. And again, uh, Kyle Pitts is going to play second fiddle to Calvin Ridley where Hawkinson's playing second fiddle to no one in Detroit for Jared Goff. We drop into the next year. You have Noah Fant at number seven. Makes sense. He has some upside. Teddy Bridgewater again helps him and Judy work in the middle of the field. So pretty solid there with Noah Fant. But I might take the next guy ahead of Fant, Logan Thomas. He's more established in Washington's offense. You know that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to get the ball in the hands of the key playmakers there. So looking at Logan Thomas there ahead of Noah Fant there once you get past that Kelsey Waller, Kittle, Andrews, Hawkins, and Pitts run there. Uh, Fant certainly has some upside. This is athleticism, first-round pick, same draft class as Hawkinson's, uh, same program as Hawkinson. Certainly there's a separation there between him and Thomas. But Thomas could end up with a bigger touchdown total than Fant there. So that's what you're looking for there. A little bit more reliable if we're looking for scores. Uh, that's sometimes the biggest thing that can define the tight ends here. Robert Tunyon had a lot of scores last year, but a little regression here. So I like the two guys after him. Dallas Goddard, he's the clear cut, uh, at least number two target there for Jalen Hurts. They have good chemistry. Certainly Zach Hurts is playing out the string. He's okay, but he's not going to cut into Goddard uh, in his role that much. Tyler Higby flying solo without Gerald Everett there in Los Angeles. So I would say there's a strong case for Thomas to go ahead of Fant, and there's a pretty solid case already for Goddard and Higby to go ahead of Tony and there. Rounding out the top 12, those are the starters in the 12-team leagues, is Mike Gusecki. So you can see the drop-off there. You don't want to be the last person to take a tight end in 12-team leagues, and you certainly don't want to do that in 14-team leagues because Gusecki, they had a lot of weapons for the Dolphins here. They have legitimate uh, receivers there with the uh, Fuller and uh, Waddle helping uh, to complement what you have in Parker and Preston Williams and all those guys. So Gusecki is going to fade a little bit in this offense here. 
I like him. He's going to get decent value, but not a lot of upside there. And you're just kind of forcing the action. You have Jonu Smith. I like the little bit of separation between him. Hunter Henry, 13th versus 16th. Go with Jonu. He has a little bit more playing time in this offense and uh, comfort level. Henry, you might be more asked to block a little bit. Jonu, the athletic guy we're going to really produce here with Mac Jones. Evan Ingram, there's a little bit more appeal for him late, but I think I would avoid here. With We're not sure about the Giants passing game. A lot of uh, different guys, versatility, mouths of feet, especially adding Kenny Dolan, Colliday, and Kadarius Tony. Gronkowski at 15, that makes a lot of sense. He's fighting with O.J. Howard and Cameron Brake for targets, also the wide receivers, but he's going to have his moments and better matchups where he's a good spot to score right there in week one against Dallas. So Gronkowski, good streamer, but also uh, make sure you have another option to platoon. That guy could be Gerald Everett. I don't see Everett necessarily having the biggest role that we – They've been expecting just because they got Shane Waldron, who came over from the Rams with Everett. I don't know if he's going to be that reliable third receiver. They do have some other tight ends they can get committee like just when you think they're going with one guy in Seattle. So be careful, Gerald Everett. These are, again, reasons why these guys are outside of the top 10, 11 is because you can't trust them every week. You have to look at the matchups and kind of play that. Yeah, that's my suggestion if you don't get one of those top 11 tight ends. Now, you could Cole Komet, he has a lot of buzz, but again, Darnell Mooney has a little bit more of that with Allen Robinson in his passing game. Then you have Tarek Cohen back, Dave Montgomery, and uh, don't forget Jimmy Graham is still around there in Chicago as well. So Komet, be careful. I think he could break out, but again, hedge your bets with any of these guys. Jared Cook has the best value of anyone down here. I mean, he's replacing Hunter Henry, so there's some production void left right there with the Chargers. I think he'll be good in this offense with Joe Lombardi there to help... Uh, there, So I wasn't all on him Cook early, but the developments recently have said Cook is going to be a key target here for Justin Herbert. So in terms of every week, he's a guy that you might look at. I'm going to pass early on Ingram and Henry. Gronk and Everett have appeal, commit to some degree, but Cook could have immediate uh, consistent value for you early in the season. Blake Jarwin with the Cowboys. Don't forget about Dalton Schultz cutting into his work, so not interested in him at 21. Austin Hooper, a bit undervalued. I think they're going to use the tight end a little bit more in Cleveland to produce this year, even with a bit of crowded tight end, I think they're going to get the ball to him in key situations here. So, Hooper I actually like very much in week one against Kansas City. They're going to use him more again. Open up the passing game, get it to their best targets. Hooper's going to be one of them. That's also why I'm pivoting off Jarvis Landry as Hooper in the middle of the field and intermediate routes could be a lot busier as uh, he helps their playoff uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Then you just get into some guys. Uh, Zach Ertz, pretty much useless there behind Dallas Goddard as long as he's healthy. Anthony Ferkser. Some opportunity there, but it hasn't materialized. Adam Troutman did have some, but they have uh, Jamar, or they do have uh, Jerron Jefferson there that you can look at. That's a, a wide receiver tight end hybrid. So it was pretty close between those guys in camp as a bit of a surprise there. So you got to be be careful with Troutman and these uh, sleepers that were hot because Ferkser and Troutman certainly have faded quite a bit as we've uh, seen more of the process and seen what's going down with these teams. They have Eric Ebron, Hayden Hurst, and eh, eh. They're sharing time here. Ebron with another rookie, Pat Freemurst, playing off pits. Dawson Knox, the Bills are not throwing to the tight end much. Dan Arnold, a little bit of intrigue there. He had a good camp, but we've seen Dan Arnold hype before the Saints. The Cardinals not going down that road. And finally, to round out the top 30, a guy that has a little bit of appeal with Irv Smith down for the season, Chris Herndon. Will he turn around and be a third target there for the Vikings, uh, picking up the void of Kyle Rudolph and... Irv Smith and the potential there. Something to watch for for Herndon. He certainly has a lot of talent. We've been hyping him up a few times with the Jets, faded with injury and suspension and all that. So a player that we're going to look at there. But uh, any more you go than that, I don't think you need to. You're looking at uh, tight ends 
you'll basically need one for most of the season, two for sometimes there if you're going the streaming platoon route or just having a backup there to plug and play for one week for one of your top starters there. So I don't think you need to go any deeper than top 30, really. Uh, just monitor that Saint situation and see which Saint you want to target there in your drafts. All right, so this uh, will... Uh, Wrap up a week of Locked On Fantasy Football here. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. So, all right, we gave you so much preseason information, straight, no nonsense, to the point, smart fantasy football analysis, uh, focusing on season-long leagues. We'll also mix in a little bit of DFS here on Fridays, usually, during the week, so look for that. I uh, will break it down as we'll have, uh, usually when there's games, we'll have a roundup Monday. Uh, the most important takeaways from the Sunday action there every game. We'll do that as a warm-up for the week. Then we'll go into Pickup Tuesday, where we'll have our waiver wire advice, uh, recommendations on who to pick up across positions there. We'll have that up for you there on Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday is a double shot of matchups. So we have matchup Wednesday, matchup Thursday. We take the first half of the games, including Thursday night, there for you on Wednesday show. Then we break down the back half all the way through Monday night there. And we look at it from fantasy football, both sides in depth, plus betting, looking at the spread over under and all that, and making game picks with those as well for you. So a little bit of uh, everything you get there in the week. And then we round it up with a lineup Friday where we look specifically at DFS, so putting those players in a blender, see that comes out for your best possible lineups, whether you're playing cash games or tournaments there in the various uh, game platforms you can play in daily fantasy sports. So we got you covered from season long to daily every week. It's a progressive we call locked on fantasy football during the regular season. So Monday through Friday, we got you covered here. We've been so happy you've joined us here throughout this uh, preseason here as we've gotten you ready for drafts. Hopefully you've taken our advice and you looked at uh, ways to dominate and you still can do some more damage here this weekend on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, hopefully as well. For Lockdown Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great long Labor Day weekend. We'll see you on the flip side as we turn our attention to week one of the 2021 NFL and regular fantasy football season.